This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, folks? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson, your host, along with the CTO, Michael Remus, back at the WST Command Center. Great to have you with us. We do have a big show today. We will get ready for the NFL Draft with my good friend Andy McNamara of Sportsnet. Andy is so fired. Andy's fired up 24-7, 365, but exponentially more on draft day. Um, he's he's already said that he's going to probably jump through the screen at some point, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be a little bit later on. And coming up in about 10 minutes, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet will break down the Jets' five-game losing streak, last night's game, and look ahead to getting back out on the road. As always, we are brought to you by Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, our golf sponsors, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, providing our lines, and of course our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And starting tomorrow, Assiniboia Downs as we get ready for the Kentucky Derby. Let's get Michael Rebus in here to start off the afternoon. And we'll give a shout out to everybody in the chat so far. Great to see people popping in right off the top of the program. Remo, what's going on, dude? Uh, so how's it going? Uh, one sec. I'm just getting getting some stuff loaded in here. But I'm doing good. Feeling good. Uh, I like your draft hat, Huss. Uh, it's nice, new. Did a great video from Royal. I did today. Popped so. in there. Um, Royal, I mean, listen, if you've ever been, if you're a sports guy, it's the best store in the world. Is, is it the biggest sports store in Canada, do you think? Like the one on Pemina Highway? I'm trying to think. What it's, could possibly be bigger? I'm not sure. It's pretty enormous. They got uh, a ton, a ton of stuff. So uh, I think people like us, the videos where you're out and about. Uh, on the street doing things, so I post that's on our uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Sports Talk WPG. Actually, I want to give a shout out to anyone who's on Apple Podcast. Uh, we've had a couple people reach out and be like, "Where's your episodes?" Apparently, if you updated your iOS to the late to the latest one, there are some issues with their iOS and the podcast. So, uh, but they are there. Oh. I swear, you're gonna have to try like Spotify or something else. Oh wow, an Apple Podcast issue. I, yeah, that's an uh, Apple. I'm have po- to check into that. We've had people message us, be like, "Where's Where's your podcast? Why haven't they been posted the last two days?" So they're there. Uh, well, just letting you guys know. Excellent. Well, um, hopefully that won't be an issue going forward. Uh, but you can always jump in and uh, join us live on the YouTube or watch it later on YouTube after we finish the program. Uh, many of you are probably with us on YouTube right now, but uh, if you are listening on the podcast and you do want to get in there, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. All our links are at the website as well, and uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. For everyone with us right now, hit that like button. Great to have you with us. Um, well, yeah, just quickly on Royal Sports, these are the new draft hats, NFL Draft Round 1 tonight. Um, I got to take the Chiefs one because uh, they traded their first-round pick, so we won't be seeing this hat tonight in round number one. We will see 32 names called, though, and Andy McNamara is going to join us a little later on. But, Remo, let's get to it. Um, A loss for the Winnipeg Jets last night, but uh, definitely a different feeling coming out of last night's game as opposed to what really felt like rock bottom on the season on Monday night. What would you think? Yeah, I agree. It definitely was rock bottom. When you're at rock bottom, Huss, there was only one way to go, and that's up. You can't go any any lower than rock bottom, I'm pretty sure, right? Is that like hell? That's, is, that's that... the theory. That's the theory, yes. The so, so it was hitting de- the floor. 
Yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely an improvement, you know, but that's not saying much. I mean, that was, we called it embarrassing. I think even Paul Stasny and Matthew Perot uh, said that as well. Uh, wasn't the greatest performance on Monday. It was better, but it's not a win. They're still on a five-game losing slide, and you want to go into the playoffs playing your best hockey. We've seen that from other teams in the past, and we've seen what happens to the Jets when they're not playing the best hockey. As you mentioned, 2019, where they kind of you know faltered down the stretch, got against the Blues, tried to find their game. They did for a bit, but we all remember uh, what happened. They, they lost. So uh, I thought last night, I mean, at 5-on-5, five five, they, they played better. They were able to contain McDavid. It was on the power play uh, where he scored, or scored, where he got uh, two points, including another point on the empty netter. He's got, like, what, 21 points in, in nine games here? And the Jets it might five, be 22 now, I think. I uh, think he just got a point uh, during the show <laughs> since it started. Uh, but um, I think it was it was better, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I know Marat was trying to figure it out on, on the Athletic. The Jets against the Oilers, they can't score any goals. They're on a six-game losing streak against the Oilers. Uh, this is their fifth game in a row overall going back to games against Toronto. <laughs> but uh, I, I think they got like seven goals in their last six losses to Edmonton. And for the Jets, who are going to be matched up, you know, most likely against Edmonton in the playoffs, very concerning. And also concerning that McDavid's got two points in every game against the Jets. Like, uh, Yeah, well, and last night, like as you said, I think at 5-on-5, five five, they felt that they did a pretty good job at getting back to doing what they need to do to, you know, play on a more even keel and not have this guy kill you. And, you know, unfortunately, a couple careless penalties from the captain put the team down. And, um, you know, the Edmonton power play was what victimized the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, in a game where, you know, you leave thinking, well, didn't not a bad job against Connor McDavid. You look at the score sheet and you see another three-point night. So, that, I mean, that's just part of the uh, the challenge of going up against the Edmonton Oilers, in particular, Connor McDavid. Um, you know, I remember yesterday, Marine, we were talking about last night's game going into it. And Mitch one of our regulars, the godfather here from uh, in, uh, in the chat, was mentioning there's no moral victories, it's about winning. And we talked about it a little bit more last uh, yesterday. And, I mean, honestly, you know, because of where the team is in the playoffs right now, you know, winning or losing last night, I mean, a win certainly would have been nice. You want to get that good feeling. But it was, it was starting to build the team back up. Um, from really falling apart um, from what, you know, made them successful earlier this season. So, you know, again, you know, I don't want to put lipstick on a pig here, but it was a much better game. It was a much better team effort. And you really could tell from the interviews after the game with the coach, with goaltender Connor Hellebuck, who we'll hear from in a little bit, um, that they did feel like they were starting to go in the right direction. And, um, man, I think it's a good thing for this team to get away from home. It's hard to believe that the Jets right now are a 500 team at home, 11 and 11, and whatever they have losses in OT, and 16 and 8 on the road. So the fact that they're getting away from the Leafs and Oilers, maybe playing a little bit more of the JV division, if you will, of the North for the next little bit with Ottawa and Calgary and Vancouver, um, and give them a chance to get back up because, uh, like as I said on OB today with Cam Poitras at Jets at noon. You know, the record against Edmonton is ugly and it's six wins and six losses in a row. However, if you win game one of a best of seven, that will never be brought up or mentioned again. So really, it's what is going to matter and what will be important is what happens in two or three weeks. But for the Jets to have a chance of, of beating Edmonton, um, they're really going to need to trend uh, positively over the course of the next couple of weeks. And that starts Friday night against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, Montreal's going for it through a bit of a 
slide on their own here at the end of the season. And, you know, some people wondering if, you know, that seemed like they had a grasp on that fourth playoff spot. Can Calgary catch them? I think it's going to be tough, but um, maybe not as unlikely as, as we thought before. Um, so we'll see for the Jets. You know, they did, you know, we talked about the lines. They did go with, uh, what, Appleton, Cop, uh, Shifley, but then they kind of switched it around. And, you know, yeah. the game moving Dubois with Veselainen and Perot, and then doing uh, Stasny, Wheeler, Connor. Eventually, he ended up, you know, going back to that Shafley, Wheeler, Connor. We thought, figured it was only a matter of time until they went to uh, Old Faithful there. But um, I think some people in chat here are talking about Dubois' ice time. You know, he's getting kind of buried down on the third line. Stasny, I mean, he had a chance to score early on. If they get a goal early, I mean, Morrissey had that one shift in the first period where he had a rebound on an empty net, you know, whiffed on it, then goes to take a slapper, breaks a stick. Next thing you know, like a two-on-one <laughs> goes down the other way, and that's kind of how it's gone uh, this year for him. Again, a better game last night, but you didn't get the win. You're still on a losing streak, and I think if you're a Jets fan and you're playing the Oilers, uh, you got to be not feeling so great about. But uh, I think the games have been, for the most part, pretty close. I don't, you know, the Monday say, notwithstanding. Yeah, not not Monday, but other ones <laughs> I think were were pretty close. So. I'm not, you know, totally out on the Jets. And let's keep in mind, Huss, they're missing Nikolai Ehlers and Adam Lowry. And the Jets didn't skate today. They are supposed to have a practice, they announced yesterday. They weren't going to. They're traveling to Montreal tomorrow night. So I don't know what Adam Lowry's status is going to be. He was skating in a yellow jersey earlier. We'll have to wait and see. Ehlers are hoping for the playoffs. But, I mean, it's pretty clear, especially when you look at their difficulty in entering the zone against Edmonton, that this team is really missing number 27. Oh, there's no doubt about that. We'll get into that with Sean. Interesting <laughs> quote from a uh, comment from T. Kona Pauly. Kind of glad the Oilers won six. Can't be possible for them to take four on us in the playoffs. To say we lose ten times in one season? I can't see it. We're not the Sens. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're getting all the losses out right now. Well, actually, do you have the Hellebuck bit? Because I, I, I will say this. It, Hellebuck spoke last night, and I think everyone regular listener knows how much I enjoy Connor Hellebuck when he um, says, and he, listen, his confidence came out. His belief in himself, belief in the team, and um, this was, I think, a good message for fans to listen to because there certainly is belief in the Jets' most important player. We're going to snap out of this, and it's going to be big, and we're going to carry that momentum. So just a matter of time. Yeah, we're not scoring as much as we were, but that just means once we start scoring, we're going to be scoring a lot. And um, playoffs are right around the corner, so uh, if we're saving all our goals for playoffs, that's huge. Um, I I think you know our team is very offensive, and they're going to come. Oh, that was some vintage heli last night, Reem. Um, if we're saving him for the playoffs, that's going to be huge. And you can tell. I mean, he believes that. And, you know, listen, I, I honestly, I really do believe. Some players will just say things to the media. I don't think there's an ounce of BS in Connor Hellebuck. He says exactly what he feels. And, you know, what? you want to have your most important player in the backbone of your club still feeling positive, even after a real tough stretch and another tough loss last night. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck. There's no short of, of confidence ever with that guy. Uh, you know, he gives up a ton of goals. Hey, I, I like my game. I'm doing all the little things. So I love hearing that from him. I thought it was great, you know, trying to give a positive. We're saving all these goals for the playoffs. We're ready to explode. <laughs> so, you know, if that does happen, we'll wait and see. But, uh, what, seven goals in the last six games against Edmonton? That's – you'd like to think that's not – that's just, like, not possible for this team. But they've figured out a way to – 
bottle up the Jets in the neutral zone. They can't seem to, you know, break it in. I know Ehlers was one of their top, was, I think he was their top scorer, and they were definitely missing him. Well, they were missing him. He wasn't there. So we will, we will wait and see. You know, it's funny. I saw, uh, I saw a tweet uh, from Marat at the end of the game saying, you know, the Jets are got a power play with four minutes left. Like, finally got a power play. Like, how, many, how much stuff did they let go during that game? And then at the end, like, ah, you know, the Jets, you know, they deserve a power play here. It's, I guess that how, <laughs> that's how it goes. But they went with, um, who is it? The first part, Pionk, Appleton, uh, Shifley, Wheeler, Stasny. And I saw someone tweet, uh, where's Connor? I mean, he's your leading goal scorer. And it seemed like they're trying to, and Marat said, you know, they're trying to fit uh, players to an idea on the power play rather than an idea to players. Uh, you know, someone in chat goes, where was Connor last night? I mean, yeah, was there was kind of, a few uh, wearers uh, KFC uh, yeah. in the chat today. I, I don't know. It's they've kind of you know since Ehlers has been out and uh, they've gone to that power play too with all the right shots with Wheeler trying to feed him. Uh, didn't work yesterday, but something to watch. I mean, kind of weird that your leading scorer wouldn't be on power play one, but they have the formation they want to get to, and and they're trying to get to that. You got it. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts in the chat here um, if you're live with us on YouTube. And make sure to hit that like button. We're going to get to uh, Sean Reynolds, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame in just a minute. As I mentioned, Royal Sports, great sponsor of ours. We're going to talk NFL draft a little later on. You can get the new draft hats right now at Royal Sports with, I believe, all 32 teams still in stock right now. And, of course, our friends Nick and Nikki DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. Nick and Nikki running a great promo right now. Two treats for $5 after 8 p.m. at all four stores. Uh, small cones, regular dip cones, small Sundays involved in that. And again, if you've, uh, I know we're not doing any big gatherings, but if you want to spice up your gathering, why don't you do it with one of those amazing Dairy Queen cakes? You can even order on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for Nick and Nikki DQ. All right, let's get to it. We welcome in our first guest coming off a late night last night. Going at it with our good friend Ken Weeb. He is, of course, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, and he joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Rennie, what's going on, dude? Great to see you. Hey, oh. I like the sound of that. I uh, I uh, didn't think that we were at that stage yet, but if I'm Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, I'll take it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Although, you know, it was it was fun. I mean, I'm, you know, it's so interesting in the aftermath of the station shutting down with what we're doing here every day. Obviously, the illegal curve guys cranking up their content and what you guys are doing now on game nights, both pre and post. And, you know, it's so different than what we kind of remembered it being like for years and years and years. But I have to tell you, um, it's fun being involved in it. We're getting incredible feedback here every day. And as someone that, you know, wants to consume as much Jets content as possible, it's amazing for fans to kick back after the game, uh, hear what's going on on OB, see what the IC guys have, and then uh, finishing up the night with you and Ken. And as we know, you get weed going on. I mean, listen, you could basically have three or four hour shows, even if no one was live in, in the chat. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to stop. There was a couple times we were going, we got close to two in the morning, and I actually think we hit that uh, stage. But we did a two-hour show one time, and he just won't stop. Like, you have to shut that guy down. He He's that guy that you got to – and I'm, he's not this guy, but, but to use another analogy, he's that guy at the bar that you have to shut down. Otherwise, they're just going to keep going and going. But, I mean, he loves to – dig into this stuff and so do i so i think it's worked in that regard and you know you're talking about us moving into this space uh the ic guys doing a phenomenal job and they're great with us they always send people our way 
But I got to say, you're talking about the way things have changed. And Huss, you've been such a voice in this market for so long uh, and, and do such a great job. And I listened for you to you for years. And I think you've just done such a good job of kind of kind of coming into this space and just giving exactly what you've always given. So the continuity that I think that you bring to it has done a real good job in bringing Manitobans to that space and realizing there's that alternative. So I wanted to, uh, as someone who I feel, you know, Kenny and Rennie fame has benefited from that. I wanted to, to thank you for that. Hey, well, listen, you know what? We're, uh, um, you know, it's great. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate that and we appreciate the support of everyone and it's great. I mean, we see so many of the same people that are here supporting us every day, popping in after the games, because at the end of the day, we're all part of, uh, you know, filling a pretty big void um, in a sports crazy city, um, you know, without a 24 seven sports station right now. And God knows we've got lots to talk about right now, Sean, um, you know, as, as brutal as Monday night was and as depressing as the conversations the Jets fans were having, and frankly, we were having, you yeah. know, over the course of Tuesday's show and yesterday's program going in, um, you know, it was still a loss last night. There's still a long, long ways to go. But is it safe to say that, you know, if you considered Monday rock bottom for the Winnipeg Jets, that last night was an important step in the right direction, one that needed to happen, but they still have a long ways to go before they'll be able to challenge this hockey club that just beat them for the sixth straight time? Yeah. Yeah, I do think Monday was their rock bottom. I saw that 7-1 loss to Montreal earlier in the year as more of a bit of a one-off. Monday was a team that looked entirely lost to me. Uh, no confidence. Um, and it's interesting. Before the game yesterday, we talked to Paul Maurice and Sarah Orleski uh, had asked the question about, you know, how quick you can come out of these things. And Paul Maurice's response was, you know, hey, I, sometimes you can turn the switch and, and be back just like that. Sometimes it's a little bit of a build. And for me, I expected this to be a build. Um, you know, they'd lost that fourth straight game. I didn't necessarily see them you know, bouncing back very quickly. I go back to that five straight losses they had last season before they went into their week-long break. Uh, and, and and I always remember them kind of falling down that rabbit hole a little bit. In the first two games that they lost, they were really bad. Then the third one, you know, their results weren't great, but Paul Maurice had said, no, I saw signs of what we're trying to do there. And then the fourth game, he said, yep, yeah, we built on the previous game. We're getting closer. The fifth game that they lost, you're thinking a team's going to be like, it's it's not working here. And Paul Maurice had said, no, that game that we just played, if we carry that forward, we'll be fine. And then they came out of that break, and they absolutely took off. And we're looking really good before the COVID, COVID break shut everything down. Uh, I see something similar for that for this team right now i didn't think it was going to be something you were going to snap out of it i definitely didn't think it was going to be something you snapped out of it against a team like edmonton that looks to be firing on all cylinders i didn't think that was edmonton's best game last night but they look like a team that's confident and knows how to handle the situation they're in but to your point they took in my mind a step forward they started doing the right things they kept the games the game close i think their confidence is still low but that at least gives them something to build on. And I do think these next six games that they're playing, Montreal, you know, as Remo was talking just before I got on here, absolutely in the sewer right now. They need to figure it out. So there's an opportunity there. And then a bunch of teams that aren't in the playoffs that can be dangerous, but it it's not the Toronto Maple Leafs and Edmonton Oilers, which we saw over the last five games, are real lethal teams to try and correct yourself against. They've got an opportunity here to get their game on track against some 
uh, I'm going to say at lesser competition. Uh, it's an opportunity, I think, that, that, that they've got to take advantage of, and there's a good chance I think they'll do that. Sean Reynolds with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, and we talked about this yesterday going in, and there were some different differences of opinion. Some people thought, like, you know, regardless of the result last night on the scoreboard, I mean, let's see the Jets get back to doing the things that, you know, that are the foundation, the foundational things that Coach Palmieri's talked about. You know, shorter shifts, straight lines, making good passes, winning battles. I mean, all of those things that, you know, you're not even in – you don't have no chance of winning unless you do well. I think we saw we saw a lot more of that, certainly, than we did on Monday. Um, and again, it, it's weird, Sean, because where the team is right now in the standings and in the season, I mean, even this next couple of weeks, I mean, would you like to win all the games? Sure. But I don't think it really changes anything when it comes to what we're going to be seeing at the end of 56 in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know... After Monday, we'd spent a lot of time talking about it. Sort of felt like 2019, where the team was, you know, doing great, and then at the end of the season, was totally. going in the wrong direction and basically backed into the playoffs, coming off some of their worst performances of the season. And I think about that game in Colorado, which I believe was the second last game of the year. Um, Bufflin was smashing his stick, not getting on in the power play. They had the closed door meeting afterwards, one day before the playoffs, and it sort of seemed like the bottom was falling out, and you know, like. Did not start well in the playoffs, got back into the series, but eventually lost in the first round. It sort of felt like that on Monday. And I guess, you know, from an optimist side of things, you know, as opposed to it being, you know, two days before the playoffs begin, I think the Jets have all recognized where they are. And, um, you know, this next two, two and a half weeks, I don't think as much will be about beating the Canucks or beating the Senators and getting two points. It's about getting back to being the Winnipeg Jets that give them the best chance to go head-to-head with Connor McDavid and the Oilers in a best-of-seven. Yeah, I mean, this may not be a popular opinion of mine, but I don't think the points matter going down the stretch here. Now, clearly some, uh, you know, and people said to us in the show, they're not in the playoffs, uh, you know, mathematically, and I, I, I get that, but they're going to be in the playoffs. And... I was surprised to see that the Canadians are just six points behind them and they have a game in hand. So if the Habs beat them in the next game and then win their game in hand, which almost seems like a stretch the way they've been playing, suddenly they're two points away from them. And you're talking about the Jets risking falling into fourth place. But my response to that at this stage is, so what? Chances are you're down now three points to the Oilers. They've got two games in hand. Catching them is is a, a very less likely scenario. Uh, so one way or another, you're going to have to go to the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's the way I see it. So whether you do it out of third place or fourth place or even out of second place, I don't think it necessarily matters. I think what we've seen this year is home ice advantage is probably not going to mean that much in the in the playoffs. You don't have the crowd behind you. Uh, you don't get the juice from that crowd. And I mean, what crowd gives you more juice than the whiteout crowd? So you don't have that advantage. So I personally have a, of the opinion that the advantage of the Jets have here right now is they can take the next seven games and say, results be damned, let's hone in on our specific game and get it to a place where we want to be and where we have some confidence. And we've seen what this team looks like when it gets that confidence underneath it. We've seen the bounce back that they showed all year up until this point. All you have to do is go and regain that. You don't have to worry about a playoff race in the meantime or getting over a playoff line like so many other teams would have to do at this time of year. They have a wide open stretch 
to play and do what they need to down the stretch here to get to a place where they want to be. Uh, and, I, and I fully expect, based on com- uh, comments that Paul Maurice has made in the past, that that's exactly how they'll approach this. Um, you know, one of the things that, I mean, we sort of understood before this losing streak happened that was really a goal of the coach over the course of this final month of the season was, you know, get some lines that gel together and, yeah. you know, can stay together consistently. Um, man, it seems like the blender is being, I mean, you may had to break out a second blender for the amount of blending that has been happening with these lines last <laughs> night, uh, just in general. Uh, and then, you know, going into the game last night, it seemed like everything was going to be status quo. And then we saw the swap of Stastny and Dubois. What did you think when you saw the that move made at the beginning of the game? Um, and how did you think it worked out? Well, I don't think it necessarily worked out offense-wise. I think they were trying to build a foundation of a game that they could play. I think that the results that they got at 5-on-5 five five showed that that worked. Um, but here I am talking about optimism and the things that they can do down the stretch. But, uh, I mean, you touched on it. I don't like where this team is at at this stage, still blending lines, not being able to find any consistency. When uh, Nick Ehlers went out and they tore apart, and Remo was talking about that, what what did he call them, Old Faithful, that top line of Connor Shifley and Wheeler. You know, I know a lot of fans don't like that line, and I know there's been specific reasons that that line has given for people not to like it. Um, But I thought here is a unit that you can put together that knows what to expect from each other for for years at this stage. I just think when you're in the middle of a losing streak like this, to still be feeling around the dark and trying to find chemistry or trying to strike a match at, at this stage, it's a dangerous game to play. So here we are talking about them getting to a playoff game. Well, let's build a foundation to build from. And and that has to do with finding lines that you want to carry into the playoffs. I personally think that it's a little bit disturbing that we're at this stage of the season and still trying stuff out. Now, if if there were lines that we knew this season that had unabashedly worked and you could go back to in this moment and know that you went back, you could go back to them and know what you were going to get from those lines I'd be okay with it, but I don't think we know that. I don't, there's, there's a couple, I mean, there's at least one line that I absolutely love this season. I've made no bones about it. It's stats name between Ehlers and Cop. I thought that was their best line this season. I don't know if Paul Maurice agrees, uh, but if they went back to that, I could see that as being so, something that, okay, I'll go back to that line there. But I don't know that through all this line blending throughout the rest of the year, that there are combinations that the Jets can just go back to and know are going to work. So this is where they put themselves, I think, in a bad spot, is Nick Ehlers is out for the rest of the season, although the good news in that is when he comes back, he's shown this year you know what to expect from him and what you're going to get from him. But I think they're in a situation where they need to find what works down the stretch here to find out what Line one is going to be line two is going to be line three is going to be. And I'm not saying you don't tinker in the playoffs. The St. Louis Blues tinkered in the playoffs a couple of years ago and it got them there. But it was based on a foundation of guys they knew worked together. We need to get to that at this stage if you're the Winnipeg Jets. You've got to get to something you know you're going to go into and ride going into the playoffs. And I'm not sure that anyone knows what that is right now, including the coaching staff. You know, it's funny you bring that up and I'll give you a hat tip because you were really the first person that brought this up. And I can't remember whether this was on our show or when I was jumping on with you guys before, but we were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and where he fits, where he works best. And, 
you know, we know the pedigree that he comes with. I mean, a good 200-foot center that certainly has a great history in the playoffs against top competition. And it has always just been assumed that I think he's going to be one of your top two centers, Shifley, Dubois, and then the Lowry line. Um, you were the first one to bring it up that maybe with Andrew Kopp's play, you know, you can put him into that top six and maybe Dubois fits well in that third line. I didn't give it a lot of thought when you originally uh, brought it up. Um, and again, you know, all of this, the caveat, of course, is that Adam Lowry's not in the lineup and you wonder what it looks like when he's there. But it was quite interesting to hear Maurice talk about putting Dubois on that line where he was going to be the leader. The wingers would follow him because it has seemed a perfect example was in the game again on a Monday where he was trying to be a little too cute, do what he could do to make sure he got the puck over to Blake Wheeler. It didn't happen. It's right back in the net the other way. And those are some of the things they wanted to eliminate. But I mean, it's going to be fascinating, especially, you know, before we get to the playoffs as to how Dubois is used and, you know, where he sort of settles in if he does before the end of 56, before we get to game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, I'll tell you this. It's as simple as this for me. The best three centers that the Jets have had this season, in my estimation, is Shifley, Stastny, and Lowry. And to me, it's, it's as simple as making that decision and trying to see where things fit around that. I thought last night was interesting because uh, Paul Maurice, when I asked him about the, that line change that you talked about and moving Stastny up into that spot in between Connor and Wheeler and moving um, PLD down, it was the first time I, I, I felt like I heard him say, like, look, we, we've liked parts of his game and they've clearly been moving him around to try and find a fit and try and find a spark. That was the first time I heard him say, look, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, those two lines are really tough lines. We wanted to get a better matchup. We wanted to get him away from those guys. I think there was an, an, unfair, an unfairness, and I think – Paul Maurice addressed it early in the season when they first got Pierre-Luc Dubois and they were going into that first series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everyone was saying, remember what he did to the Leafs in the playoffs last year? Yeah, that's what we got him for. He's going to go out and he's going to play against Austin Matthews and shut him down just like he did last year. And Paul Maurice poured cold water all over that right from the start. And I think that's an admission that, hey, Pierre-Luc Dubois was 21 years old when he did that. There's a lot of growing yet to be done here, and I'm not sure that he's at that stage. I thought last night moving him down the lineup was an admission that they haven't quite got him to where he needs to be as far as being a shutdown guy. And, and to me, that's an admission of what I've been saying all along and what I've been seeing all along is that, hey, I'll be the first one to say it. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be a dominating center in the league for years to come, but he's a young man. You need to do what is best for the team in this moment. And I think putting him down on a line, taking him off center because I go back to it and say, I think Shifley, Statsny, and Lowry have been the top centers on this team this year. If you move him to the wing alongside Adam Lowry and take those two beefcakes and use them to grind and shut down the top lines uh, on the other teams going into the playoffs, I don't see a problem with that. I don't see the arrival of Pierre-Luc Dubois as a dominant center in this league a couple of years down the road or next year as being a problem, use him now where it makes the most sense. And to me, that's where it makes the most well, sense. Well, and, and the other side of it is that it allows Paul Stastny to get out more with players in the top six and be a difference maker. And, you know, he, ha he he's a guy that often you maybe don't notice because he does so many of the little things right. And that's why they aren't maybe notice as much until you break down tape. 
But there's certainly an argument to be made that not only his, his play, but also his veteran presence, his leadership, getting him out more, you know, could very well help the team. And, um, you know, it is a nice problem to have, you know, when Lowry and Ehlers come back to figure out how all that works. But in the meantime, I mean, these players really do need to need to figure that out because, you know, you can't count on those guys anytime soon before the playoffs. And, um, you know, as we saw last night, well, especially on Monday, the, the absence of Nikolai Ehlers, we knew that he would be missed. But holy smokes, I mean, especially when it comes to just carrying the puck, composure, zone entries, setting up in the offensive zone. I mean, there was none of that on Monday, more so last night. Um, but man, the hole that's left by Nikolai Ehlers is maybe even bigger than people could have imagined. I want to touch on both those things that you were talking about. And I want to start with Stastny about, you know, the, all the little things that he's done right. The players love playing with him. But one of the things that, I, I mean, you want to talk about leadership? It was Paul Stastny who finally came out a couple of games ago and said, we haven't been doing the right things for 10 to 15 games now. Now, we had not heard that omission, admission from this team before that until Paul Stastny came out and, and put it, bluntly and plainly and and the thing that i think is is great leadership about that is you get it out in the open you say it you don't hide it yeah and i get it they can have their own conversations in the room that don't need to make it in the media and i respect that that that's the way it should be but you also also shouldn't be afraid to point out what everyone else is seeing out there and acknowledge the fact that you see what everyone else sees that connor hellebuck far too often has to steal games for this team, that they're relying on scoring their way back into games and maybe not playing properly on five on five. He addressed that. He brought it out. Now it becomes a conversation between the fans and the media and the coach and the players, and they have to address it. And then we can see how it's being addressed. Last night, they addressed their five on five issues. And that's a big reason they should have confidence going forward. They shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl at five-on-five. If they continue to do that in the playoffs, they're going to have a way better chance of surviving against a team like Edmonton, who we probably think they're going to be playing. And that's necessary, and I think Paul Stastny is a leader in taking it down that road, forcing the team to look inwards and say, listen, we've got problems, address the problems, and let's get moving forward. Let's not hide from them, address them. And to your point about Nick Ehlers, I mean, I just think, and I've said it time and time again, I think that he's the team's MVP so far this season. The energy that he brings, the attitude that he brings, that last game we saw him doing what he was doing up against Joe Thornton. This guy is now, in my estimation, the heart and soul, along with Adam Lowry, of this Winnipeg Jets team. As he goes, they go. It really is, and I don't want to make excuses about, you know, for injuries, especially with a team that's supposed to be the deepest forward group in the NHL. But I will say this. I don't think that there are two worse players to be out of the lineup right now than Adam Lowry and Nick Ehlers. All that being said, I think many people thought that, you know, with Ehlers out of the lineup, it would really be a time for Kyle Connor to step up his game. Um, that hasn't really happened. What do you make of um, where KFC is at right now? Well, I think uh, moving him back up w- with Wheeler and the Shifley, um, the, the Shifley line that was supposed to go, I saw an energy from him that I thought had been missing for quite a while from his game. I think to a degree that he may be a victim of what we were talking about earlier, this constant line juggling. And he, I mean, he's a trigger man. I've always thought of him 
as that from the time that he's been in college. He's a guy that you want setting up in a spot and finishing and putting the puck in the net. So he's a player that plays best off of other players. He's not the creator, although he can, but he plays best when he's the guy who's finishing things. And in order to be the guy who finishes things, you got to know how the players around you are going to react. you got to know where to go, where those guys are best going to find you. So I think the line blending, trying to find chemistry up and down the lineup, I think that's something that may have affected Kyle Connor's game so far this year. I think he needs stability. I think he needs to be on a line where he starts clicking with some guys. And then I think that line needs to be left alone so he can do what he does best. Um, Remo was talking about uh, the the power play and, and how Murat had, uh, you know, uh, suggested they're, they're trying to fit guys into the power play, not fit the, the right situation. I'm not, I'm butchering it how I'm saying it, but um, it, it was an interesting scenario in which they've moved him to the second line to fill that role that Nick Ehlers plays on that second line. And I think what they're counting on is that you send out the first line and you get such a different look with that second line that sometimes in the exchange between those two lines, you catch a team not understanding that a change has been made and you capitalize on that. Uh, It just seems strange because the first line ended up chewing up the majority of that power play and we never got the chance for that transition to affect the Edmonton Oilers. In retrospect, it looked like it would have been a smarter thing to do to just go put him back in that spot on the top power play where he's been all season and have them work it from that point. Sean, as far as the blue line goes, um, it's been Jordy Ben for the last couple games. Do you think that continues? Will we see Will we see Billy Hanel before the end of the season? And where's Logan Stanley right now? And maybe handicap those three as to being in the lineup for game one of the postseason. So I, I'm convinced, and, and clearly, uh, clearly it can change. Clearly, you can bring guys in. I do think that we'll see Billy Hanel tried out. I think we'll see Logan Stanley again. I do think that what we've seen is that, for me, the job is Jordy Benz to lose at this stage. Um, so I think if he keeps coming in and gets opportunities and, to, and he continues doing what we've seen from him, he gives Paul Maurice what I think Paul Maurice has been craving for a long time and what he asked for on the fourth line and what he's shown has got results on the fourth line. He's asking for a player, a veteran player, who gives who what he gives at least Paul Maurice knows exactly what he's going to get from that player and I think that that's where a player like Logan Stanley and Billy Hanela are at a disadvantage because they're young players and their game is going to be up and it's going to be down and that's not what Paul Maurice wants he wants steady so do do I believe that Logan Stanley and Billy Hanela can offer more than what Jordy Ben can offer I entirely think that, but I also think that the bumps in learning the NHL game can cost you, and you don't want those things to cost you at the NHL level. So I think as it stands right now, it's Jordy Ben's job to lose, meaning if he comes out and has a stinker of a game or two stinkers of a game back-to-back, then you force the coach to start looking at those other players. But I think it would take a phenomenal effort from those two players in their audition with the team to stick, and I just don't know that being the sixth man in that rotation provides you the opportunity to make that big of a difference. Hey, I want to ask you about Coach Maurice, but before that, on goaltending, um, you know, it was interesting. Some more classic Connor Hellebuck quotes last night after the game. Uh, you know, uh, ultimate confidence. They're saving the goals for the playoffs, which is going to be great. 
Um, but I, I am wondering, how many games do you think that Loren Brassois gets in before the end of the season? And, I mean, is it going to be a matter of just, you know, when does Connor want to rest? Or it, will there be more to it? Yeah, I think Connor Hellbuck is the only guy who can answer that question because it's going to come down to how he feels and what he wants. And I don't know, from what we've seen from Paul Maurice, is he doesn't get in the way of that too much. He trusts Connor Hellebuck. When he says, I don't ever worry about that guy, I take it as being, you know, if you're a boss, you want those employees that you don't have to manage, that you don't have to find out whether they're doing their work. And when you get those employees, you kind of just leave them alone and they bring in their work and it's all done. You just kind of leave them alone. I, I feel like Paul Maurice has taken that tack for the last couple of years now. Uh, with Connor Hellebuck and make no mistake about it people say it I'm not saying anything groundbreaking when I say this at this stage from what we see with the the Winnipeg Jets they're only going as far in the playoffs as Connor Hellebuck takes them so this is going to be about managing his game the way that Connor Hellebuck feels it needs to be managed for him to be at his best and so I'm not even going to venture a guess on that Huss, because I just think that Connor Hellebuck is going to t- determine what happens there. You know what, Sean? In, in addition to Hellebuck, uh, I'll add Mark Shifley into that mix because, as we saw, you know, in the epic seven gamer against Nashville, I mean, you know, it was Mark Shifley playing the best hockey of his career, scoring every game, and you know, really was able to put the Jets over the top. Um, I was going to ask. I mean, you've covered Paul Maurice for a long time. You're on the calls every single day. Um, what have you thought about Maurice's last week? Um, and not necessarily like the line matchups and the movements, but how he's handled everything, specifically Saturday night with the benching of Mark Shifley. I mean, that is a card that does not get played very often. We hadn't seen it played in a long time. His reaction to the lost Saturday, then of course Monday, and then a bit of a different tone yesterday coming out of last night's game for the coach. Yeah. What an interesting week. And, and I mean, let, let's start off with the benching because, as you put it, it is not a, a card that, that Paul Maurice likes to play. He rarely plays it. Uh, he talked about it not being something that you do as much uh, in games. And that back in the day, you know, the players would almost go bench themselves. They knew if they'd done something wrong, they would just, sorry, coach, I'll be at the end of the bench. Let me know when I'm, I'm out of this, right? Um, it, it seems strange to me. Uh, and, and I'll say this because I, I think, you know, no no slight to, to Mark Shifley, but I mean, I think what he benched Mark Shifley before, what he, what he benched Mark Shifley for, we've seen from Mark Shifley before. So to get to a point where you are benching for him, benching him for doing that at this stage seems strange to me. And, and I thought it put him in a bad position. And I wonder if he would do it again, because I think of the very next game they play, the response that you're wanting from your team after benching an assistant captain is that everyone comes out shot out of a cannon. And I thought it had the reverse effect. And I think of that, uh, that I think it was the hat trick goal that Connor, uh, Connor McDavid scored and Kyle Connor turned that puck over. I thought, Kyle Connor's body language after turning that puck over and the kind of half half-assed skate that he took back down the ice on a back check following that play was far worse body language than what we saw from from Mark Shifley and so that's the tough position you put yourself in as a coach if you're going to bench a guy like Mark Shifley because of his lackadaisical stroll back to the bench then that becomes the standard everyone take a look the assistant captain on this team just got benched 
because he did that. That's the standard. That means if someone does it going forward, they should get the same treatment. And I thought that play stood out to me for Kyle Connor turning that puck over. And I had wondered as soon as that happened, if he was going to put Kyle Connor at the end of the bench, he didn't do that. And I think he basically put himself in a situation. Those benchings can either be a John Tortorella, I'll bench guys until this team misses the playoffs because I believe that this is going to get things where they need to be in the long run, but we may sacrifice a season in the process to get there. Uh, Paul Maurice clearly can't do that uh, and, and put himself in a situation where I don't think he could punish similar behavior the same way. And that's why it's a risky thing to do because I, I personally believe he put himself in a position a position where the team is watching and saying, okay, is that bench worthy? And it is, but he can't do it. And so that's why I think it's a tactic that he stayed away from. And I think going forward, you're not going to see him pulling that off anymore. Yeah, it's the uh, it, it's a it's a difficult card to play repeatedly. That's for sure. What's the old saying that the uh, the beatings will continue until morale, <laughs> morale improves? improves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhat. There's uh, well, morale is improved maybe a little bit after last night's game, but there still certainly is a long, long ways to go. Um, what, what do you want to see? I mean, team is going out on the road. I think it's coming at a great time. Um, I still why? Let me ask you this. Why have the Jets been so much more successful on the road than they have at home? They're playing in empty buildings regardless of where they are. Yeah, that is such a I, – I mean, I, I understand the idea of them coming off the road and always losing that first game when they're back at home. I get that because guys have families. Uh, you know, they've got girlfriends. They've got lives. They've got laundry to do. Life takes over, right? You're not just going in the hotel room. And I think, too, part of that is – these guys go out on the road and they get locked into their rooms and it kind of drives them nuts. And all they can do is focus in on hockey, which I think has worked for the jets on the road. But when you get home, because you've been trapped in your, and I don't want this to sound dramatic and I'm making it sound dramatic and and it's a stupid thing for me to say, but they're trapped in their jail of a hotel room where they can't really get out and they can't do anything. And so what happens is when they get home and at least there's the comforts of home and the, the, the people that they can at least spend their time with, it's an indulgence in that. It's an indulgence in life, which COVID is putting on hold for so many people. But when they're on the road and they're staring at their four walls of their hotel room, it really isolates those players. So I think maybe what we're seeing at home is they're indulging in life a little bit more than they typically would and maybe slightly less focused at hockey on a hockey at home than they would be in a traditional season where when you're on the road, you can go out and you can go to a place and hang out with the guys and go out to eat and those things. So I do think that in an effort to reclaim some of the life that COVID has taken away from all of us, those players indulge at home in life a little bit more than they typically would take a little less focus on hockey at the rink. And that's what you're seeing in the difference between their performance on the road and at home. Well, Sean, you know what? Maybe this whole last couple of weeks in this losing streak has just been part of a master plan to take advantage of road ice advantage come the playoffs. And there, you know, if they've been there winning more on the road, let's start off on the road when we get going. <laughs> I keep seeing people saying the Jets have the Oilers right where they want them. It's the rope a dope, right? And I admire the optimism of those fans. Keep doing what you do because uh, teams need those kind of fans to be there for them in moments like this. Uh, someone just said in the chat, listen, th- this is all part of a plan. There's no way a team can beat another team 10 times in a season. So that they're getting them all out right Pauly. now. Yes, that's, that's right. Trans who shows up on our show. I just got to say shout out to all the people who are checking 
all of us, oh, as soon as you say, say, said uh, Transcode Apollo, I was like, I know him. I know him. <laughs> well, it's great. Speaking of Kenny and Rennie, you guys will be back at it tomorrow for the game night. But before then, Friday morning means the weekly episode. You guys have had some amazing guests. Uh, it'll be 9 a.m. tomorrow on the YouTube channel as well as your social medias. Fill us in on uh, what Friday a.m. with Kenny and Rennie will uh, consist of. Yeah, you know, so we're going old school to the old CKND days. We're bringing back Gene Principe. I mean, I one of the things we like to do on those shows is kind of there's so many storytellers in our industry, and I love telling the story behind the storyteller, right? And so Gene Principe is an absolutely interesting guy, and so much of his story originates right here in Winnipeg, and he's a guy just absolutely adored by that Edmonton Oilers audience and a guy who I think Huss has had the hardest job in hockey all those years, you know, that desert of success that existed in Edmonton for all those years. He's got to go up with a smiling face and keep the fans engaged without talking about how terrible the team is, right? Hardest job in hockey. uh, And so much of how he's been able to handle those things comes from his roots here in Winnipeg. So I want to get uh, caught up with him. And then Kevin Weeks is going to join us. Super interesting guy who uh, I find is kind of stuck in that world. You always hear about him, his name coming up in, you know, front office jobs in the NHL. And we had, you know, Berkey on, on our, uh, on Sportsnet's airwaves. And I think the interesting part of guys like that are, you know, they kind of have one foot and potentially going and being a boss of an NHL team. And they've got all this access that they use to get there. But they also have that opportunity to use that access on our side of it in the broadcasting. It's such an interesting line to cross. We'll explore some of those themes tomorrow uh, morning, 9 a.m. on the Kenny and Rennie live show, uh, our our long-form podcast. We love those shows. Perfect. If you're not already subbing, uh, Remo, if you can, toss the uh, the link for the the Kenny and Rennie YouTube page in there. And people can just go click over. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh, check out what the guys are doing uh, before after games. And as well, Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, you're doing a great job keeping Weber in check, buddy. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing this. Say hi to Ken. I'll look forward to the show tomorrow. And uh, certainly look forward to some more great chats heading into the playoffs with you and Ken here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss, thanks for having me. We appreciate all you do for us because you do a lot, and we appreciate it. Thank you right, so much. Right on, dude. Have a great one, and I'll look forward to tomorrow morning. There he is. Uh, the link is in the chat for uh, Sean and Ken's YouTube page. Make sure you get out there. Check it out in the morning. And uh, uh, basically, that's kind of the routine after games. I'll pop by, listen to what Kelly's got going on on OB, check out what the IC guys are doing. And then uh, finish it up with a nightcap with Kenny and Rennie on their pages. And uh, the show has been fire the last few days, obviously, with uh, a lot of consternation around the local hockey club. All right, that was great stuff with Sean. Um, We'll have a little more on the Jets and the NHL, tonight's games with Michael Remus coming up in a few minutes. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by... Boston Pizza. Uh, it's always a game night somewhere, and you can get the game night deal the media spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, the 24 case of wings any day. But you can also, right now, take advantage of the call your shot promo with Boston Pizza and Molson. You uh, can pick up the pizza flights, which is three mini pizzas, three dips, as well as any Molson product, and you will get entered to win instant Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-made outdoor rink for your backyard next winter, or even a VIP NHL experience. That's on right now at Boston Pizza, and you can call your shot eating in, taking out, or for delivery. 
And of course, our friends at Not Auto Corp was just talking to Trev. Some more Teslas coming in right now. They've got an incredible selection of vehicles right now at Not Auto Corp. Check them out, Waverly and McGillivray, or find out more online. They've got an amazing website with all sorts of new vehicles and new inventory coming in daily. And uh, if you're looking to get out of a vehicle, um, they'll also help you with their incredible consignment program. So give them a call, pop by, check them out online. Why not get into a great new ride with our friends at Not Auto Corp? All right. We've talked a lot of hockey so far, but tonight is one of my favorite nights of the year. It is round one of the NFL draft. And as excited as I am with my new Chiefs draft lid from Royal Sports, um, that will pale in comparison to the energy that is about to take over Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily because my guy, Andy McNamara, is here. The final mock has been published. We await Trevor Lawrence's name to be called by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you, my friend, I imagine are quite fired up, to say the oh, least. Boy, Hustler, I'm ready to jump through that screen into Winnipeg, brother. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I love the hat, too. That hat is sweet. That's a nice dress. Thank you. Hat. Yes, Andy. I popped by early, and if people didn't see, you can go to my Twitter. It's just a little video there at Royal, but I thought it was a perfect day to go in because yeah. I was talking to Greg and Gerald, and they just got all the new draft caps in. So nice. um, whatever the team, whatever your team is, if you want to get these new looks, sometimes the draft hats are ugly as hell, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. There has been yeah. a few over the past five years that definitely not worth putting on. These ones, however, amazing. And they have the snapbacks. They have the more fitted, like the dad hats as well. So Ooh, um, yeah, I want a Browns looking, hat. I want a Browns one of that. It looks good. Hey, speaking of the Browns, um, you know, this COVID really sucks for a million reasons, but I imagine you're especially depressed today because I'd imagine you'd probably be in Cleveland for this draft today if uh, we could actually travel and do things like we had normal lives. Man, Huss, uh, oh, I'm like, I'm like mad and sad all at once. Like with, with this, it's just, you know, the only thing that could stop me from getting to Cleveland, Ohio over the past year and the draft is a global pandemic. That's about it. <laughs> Without me being physically dead, or or it's a, a global pandemic is the only thing, and you know it. There it is. So I'm I'm have to enjoy it. Apparently the weather is supposed to be quite crummy and wet and all that. So I guess that's a, a bit of a, a bonus. But yeah, I am uh, I'm pretty down. I'm not I'm not there. But Huss, I felt like I was kind of there in spirit because I watched Draft Day movie. I got the official Draft Day movie shirt, which I got in 2014 when it came out in theaters. I got it was like the the launch. It was in. It, and I got the shirt. So I'm watching Draft Day. I'm loving it. I am out on Draft Day. I say it's one of the worst movies that has ever been made. Now, I mean, I did have pancakes this morning. I saw your tweet, and I yeah. uh, hit, hit the drive through yeah. for, for some after I was at Royal. Um, but anyways, it is a ridiculous, ridiculous story. But I guess so as a Cleveland's Brown, Browns fan, at least they made a movie with a somewhat happy ending for the Browns because there weren't that many in real life for your club for a very long time. That is correct, sir. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, so we had the, the pancakes. If you watch the movie, you know. Okay. So I made pancakes for me, for the kids, put them in there. So they were happy and all that. So I had the pancakes, watch the movie. You're right. The concept of the film, like, Huss, if it wasn't the Browns, I would be there with you. I'd say it was a terrible movie. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not going to win. Also, but I love it. I absolutely love it. And I actually know some people who work for the Browns who are some friends of mine who are in the movie, like in the background stuff. So to see that, see all the sites, it's, it's wonderful. And I hope it's, uh, a great success for the city here tonight because us, I just I I just wonder what we're going to see. Are we going to see 
from draft, the Sonny Weaver Jr. type of big trade. Is Trevor Lawrence really like Bo Callahan? Maybe looks good. Maybe there's something missing there. I don't know, but it's, yeah, there's so much intrigue tonight. Hey, listen, before we get to the mock, then the picks, whatnot, this is amazing. And I'll give a shout out to uh, our pal Spanish Red Eye who just dropped this in the chat. I'm just looking at Adam Schefter and Rap Sheets tweets. You heard about this bit with Tim Tebow? I did. Tebow. Just before it came on. This yeah. is Schefter. Tim Tebow recently reached out, reached out to the Jags and requested a tryout at tight end. Yep. A move many believe would have extended his NFL career had he made the transition earlier. He worked out with the Jaguars tight ends coach. No decision has been made. Um, you know, Schefter makes a great point. I mean, Tebow, if he decided that he was willing to move off of the quarterback position, I think he probably stays in the NFL for road. He doesn't have to go to the Mets and start playing minor league baseball <laughs> and doing whatever else that he's been doing. Um, I am a Tim Tebow fan. It would be pretty wild to see him change positions and go. He's from Jacksonville. He come back? Yeah. It was, I mean, that would be an awesome story for the season, although – Let's face it, the tight end that everyone's talking about today is not Tim Tebow. It's Kyle Pitts. It is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, for, for Tebow, like, I'll give him credit on the baseball front. That dude wasn't doing it for show. He grinded out minor league baseball <laughs> and put us all into it. So, like, full credit to this guy. Like, he works. You know, he's super famous. He doesn't have to do any of this. He works. But you're right. The one and only tight end Huss, that anybody should care about in this draft is named Kyle Pitts. And if you put a WR beside his name instead of a TE, he's the top wide receiver in this draft. And I don't think it is close. He's 6'5", so, 245. Guy can run a 4.4 second 40-yard dash. Like, Huss, we're talking about a specimen. I just truly hope he goes somewhere like Atlanta and not fall to some place that has some, some old-school coach that thinks like, oh, you have to block if you're a tight end. Catch me touchdowns. That's what I'm interested. Get me touchdowns, score me points, use those giant hands and mismatching wingspan to get me points. I think that fit with the Atlanta Falcons, whether they trade Julio Jones or not, is just all too good to be true. And Matt Ryan, people chucking him out to pasture. Matt Ryan has two, three, four good years left in him. Come on. Give him a weapon. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, they sound like, oh, we're going to get this Kyle Pitts at four. And uh, Julio Jones is available now for trade. I mean, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know one step forward. What are you doing? One yeah. step forward, two steps back. Now, Andy, um, we'll get to your mock in a moment. Um, but let's just talk about the quarterbacks at the top of the board. Um, we probably don't need to spend very much time on Trevor Lawrence. We'll be talking about him probably for the next 15 years. Yep. He is the consensus number one. He'll go first off. Are you surprised that it's basically a fait accompli that BYU quarterback Zach Wilson is going two to the Jets. Boy, uh, I, I so am. You look, if you look at the books right now, and we'll get to some odds in a minute, yeah. I mean, it's like minus 10,000 or something. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the pick has already been turned in. Yeah, on the DraftKings Sportsbook House, there's it's minus 10,000 for Trevor Lawrence first overall, minus 10,000 for Zach Wilson. So, uh, unless there is some seismic last-minute shift, it's him. The last quarterback from BYU, and to my knowledge, maybe the only other one to go in the first round was Jim McMahon in 82 to the Bears. So we're not talking like, like this is a funnel of quarterbacks into the NFL. And Zach Wilson, I think they, he can do everything the Jets are going to do. Remember, it's Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur coming over from San Francisco, so they'll be running that Shanahan style of offense, which, what does that mean? Got to be able to do play action, got to sell it. He can do that. He can roll out. He can throw on the move. All the tools. My concern is level of competition compared to, let's say, Justin Fields, who played under the spotlight, 
ultra competitive games like against the best opponents. His only two losses came for Fields in the playoffs. When Wilson played top competition the couple times, didn't look so good. So it, it, it all depends. I understand it, but he's one of those cases where it seems like every year there's somebody that just rockets up the board. And, uh, you know, Zach Wilson's that guy. Um, by the way, you're getting a lot of support. I'm getting a lot of grief in the chat right now after my comments about draft day. Mike Wynn, what? Worst movie. Um, Jeff Kabila's Husko, wash your mouth out with soap, young man. I love draft day. So good right? draft day. And then Gregory Liverpool, the OG, drops in an all caps comment, knowing that he means business. Aggressive. Draft day is a five star movie. End of story. So uh, there you go. I, I stand corrected, Greg. Yes. Um, to me, the draft really starts at three. And, yep. uh, you know, for folks that maybe haven't been paying attention, the San Francisco 49ers traded three first-round picks. They're this year's first-rounder, the first-rounder from the next two drafts, and a third-rounder to move up to the third spot. This is where things get interesting. You know, Andy, if you believe the books, I mean, Mac Jones has been the favorite to go number three. Um, he certainly is not ranked ahead of Justin Fields or even Trey Lance on most draft boards, and yet many people think that he is going to be the pick of Kyle Shanahan. I guess my question is, if they wanted him all along, did they really need to move up to three to get it? And if that's the case, maybe is this just a big smokescreen, one of many that we see going into the first round of the draft? Where are you at on pick three? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point you make, Hassan. I think it's... Yeah, Mac Jones is the favorite on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and I believe it's like plus 300 for Fields and Lance, I think. I think it's like around there. Um, I'm totally with you. If you wanted Mac Jones, you could have stayed put and given up nothing and gotten Mac Jones, unless you got whispers that the Pats or somebody was going to trade up above you there. But that seems a lot to give up to me. This is my ranking, my opinion from what I've seen, read, watched. Mac Jones, to me, at best is Andy Dalton or Derek Carr, who are fine starters. They're fine. I don't have to give up the world to go get those guys. Derek Carr is a second-round pick. Andy Dalton further than that. So, like, my question is, is why? And I have a theory as to why here, Hustler. I believe, out of outside of, of uh, Trevor Lawrence, the most pro-ready who could step in and run an offense, not to the heights or the possibilities of a Justin Fields or Trey Lance, is Mac Jones. Why is that important? Because of all the other rumors that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get reunited with Uncle Bill back in New England for maybe a second round pick or something else. So if that's the case, that make that picking Mac Jones makes sense to me for the 49ers if you're going to need a day one starter and you're trading Jimmy Garoppolo. If it's any other scenario and you're going to hold Jimmy G for a year because of cap situations, this is a ridiculous pick. You should take Justin Fields and not think twice about it. Or or at least Trey Lance, who you then have to sit for a full season as well. Because he's super raw. Well, he is. Although, I mean, he basically got in, what, one game this year because of what was happening with FCS. So, I mean, you're sitting him again. I mean, you're basically talking about two years without playing and then expecting to go in and run an NFL offense. To me, this this pick is so fascinating. And then there was the other report today, and I believe this was first reported by Paul Allen, who's the voice of the Minnesota Vikings. PA reported today, take this for what it's worth, that – the Niners offered the number three overall pick, another pick, and a couple of players from their current 49ers roster to the Packers 
for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, and that would be some method to the madness. That would maybe explain why they felt they needed to go out and get the number three overall pick. Because, I mean, if there was an earth-shattering trade where Aaron Rodgers was moving on from Green Bay, um, the ransom for Aaron Rodgers would be huge. And the Packers would need to know that they're also getting you know, draft capital. Although, of course, they already used their first rounder last year on Jordan Love, one of the more head-scratching picks in recent NFL history. Yes. Wouldn't that be the blockbuster of blockbusters? (laughs) No way the Packers do that. I I, I don't... Yeah, he said they were rebuffed by the Packers, but again, you can say no, there's still some time to get it done before it happens. You can make it sweeter. You can always make it sweeter, right? Like... Plus, if that happens, that is a draft day movie type of trade. That is so yeah. unrealistic and ridiculous that that could happen. But yeah, you're right. Jordan Love's sitting there. If you're the Green Bay Packers, and I'm a, if I'm a fan of them, I'm thinking last year, that draft sucked. Unless Jordan Love turns out to be the future franchise quarterback, then fine. I don't think he is, but we'll wait and see. Because after that, you got A.J. Dillon, who turned out to be a third string running back. You bring back Aaron Jones anyway, okay? Your next pick was a tight end. It was a glorified fullback blocker. You got nothing for Aaron Rodgers. That's why this year in my mock draft on sportsnet.ca, I have them taking, and I think I'm trying to push it into existence for Packers fans here, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, weapon is the word here, Huss, because Kadarius Toney, you can put him outside, inside, backfield, gadget plays. He's not just super fast. He's also got the ankle-breaking footwork. Like He's got those little steps and then, and, and then the ankles fall apart for the defender. Like, that's what you get with Kadarius Tony. Now, are there issues? Absolutely. He was a one-year starter. He was a converted quarterback who took a long time to adjust. But it looks like if you give me that type of weapon with Aaron Rodgers, and I got Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon, Aaron Jones, that's something that could really revive and sort of freshen up that offense. So I hope for, for that sake, somebody like Kadarius Tony goes there. Now, Andy, let's get back to the first round. You've got Justin Fields going at third, um, which certainly if hits, um, there's some money to be made on some of the markets. We talked about the number four pick, Kyle Pitts, uh, likely the the first tight end, the first non-quarterback taken. Then we get to the, the, the most interesting picks to me, maybe are five and six once we get mm. past three, and that's the Bengals and the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins have so much draft capital. They've already done some moving around, trading down, trading back up, getting an extra first. But they won't pick until Cincinnati makes their selection. They always seem to just pick a wide receiver. But, man, considering what happened to Joe Burrow last year, how did they not take the top offensive tackle on the board? That's exactly where I'm at. And there's been a lot of smoke. Whether there's fire, I don't know, but a lot of smoke that Jamar Chase, oh, reunite Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Well, how's Joe Burrow and and his, his funky rebuilt knee going to survive and throw it to Jamar Chase or anybody else? You're fine at wide receiver. You can add a wide receiver a little bit later on. There's a big dude, Nico Collins, who I like that could be a third, fourth round pick. There's other wide receivers. It's a deep draft. You can get wide outs in the second round if you want. You go get, if you're the Bengals, the best offensive lineman to protect your quarterback. And I think this is becoming more realistic because they did not pick up the 50-year option on Billy Price, who's an O-lineman for them. Um, So I think there is more of a a need for offensive line help. And, okay, there's Riley Reef, there's there's whoever else, Jonah Williams they have there. So what? Get the best tackle. He's apparently just a total athletic freak because if they don't, Huss, if they don't, then Cincinnati 
you are following the same path of the Indianapolis Colts, and you're going to run your franchise quarterback into the ground and out of the league, a la Andrew Luck. Yeah, and we all know how that worked out for uh, for the Colts. And, you know, yep. they spent the next two years building up their offensive line. And um, now Carson Wentz is going to benefit from that going to Indy as their new starting quarterback. You then get down to, to seven. And, and hear me out. If the if the Bengals don't go, <clears throat> don't go offensive line and Sewell is still on the board at seven when the Lions are picking, do the Chargers move up and reunite? Justin Herbert with Sewell, who were teammates at Oregon. And I mean, I think they feel like they've got their quarterback of the future. Um, why not bring a guy that was incredibly successful from them as the number one guy on the board and do what it takes to get him on the squad? Um, and hopefully you've got, you know, your top tackle protecting your top quarterback for the next decade. I would love that move. Now, the Chargers are at 13. I have the mock to taking Rashawn Slater, the second ranked tackle generally considered at a Northwestern. So I think it probably depends. Now, I think Penny Sewell is the superior offensive lineman. So I guess it would depend how the Chargers rate the difference between the two and the cost it would be to move up. I think that makes a ton of sense because you want to, in the same vein as Joe Burrow being protected, you want to make sure you're keeping Justin Herbert upright, the reigning rookie of the year. So that would make sense to me. It depends. If they feel like, okay, it's a little dip, but we're fine with Rashawn Slater, then I don't see that happening. But that would be an interesting little bit of a tumble for Sewell. And where, like, if I figure if Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals, the Dolphins got to take him. Uh, and, 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 and ideally, if I'm looking at this, I want Jamar Chase to go to the Dolphins. Because if you're the Dolphins, you want to know if, if two is the guy. How do you know if he's the guy? You got to get him some weapons. You got to improve. You got to add. Um, the Will Fuller edition is, okay, uh, whatever, he, unreliable, and he's going to be suspended for the first bit. So get him Jamar Chase, who, Huss, I liken him to a Jarvis Landry. Six feet, 201, he is durable, sturdy, run any route you want, hands, just a culture changer type of guy. So I want that. See what Tua has, because as you mentioned, the Dolphins have a lot of draft capital also next year. So if you aren't convinced Tua is your future quarterback, why don't you go get another guy next year? Andy Mack with us here, getting ready for round one of the NFL draft tonight. Andy, one more quick question for you. Quickly, eight is the Panthers. They traded Teddy Bridgewater yesterday. What do you think Carolina does at eight? This all depends on what happens. It goes back to three at quarterback. What did the San Francisco 49ers do? If they take Mac Jones and one of Justin Fields or Trey Lance is available, I think the Panthers sprint to the podium, throw their card at Roger Goodell and say, yes, please. And thank you. We'll take that guy because what the Sam Darnold trade does, that doesn't exclude them from taking a quarterback. In fact, it should encourage them to take a quarterback because then you don't have to rush them in. You don't have to hurry guys who maybe could use a little bit of seasoning, especially Trey Lance who only threw only us 318 passes in his whole college career. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I get this feeling, I've had this feeling for a few weeks, that the Carolina Panthers are not going to be picking at eight. Either they trade up to get a quarterback or whoever they want is gone and they trade down. That's the vibe I get out of that. But if one of those two QBs are there, maybe they feel good, stand pat, and take one of those. 
I just wonder, though, what's the movement going to be like in New England? Belichick's super aggressive. What is he going to do? And does Bill Belichick end up getting their quarterback of the future? Man, there's so many great storylines going into tonight's first round, and I am even more ready for it after talking to you than I was before. Andy, love having you on the program. Keep up the great work. We'll have to maybe get you back next week and do a little wrap-up of everything that happened over the weekend. Uh, but just before we go, where can people find you on social media and uh, maybe plug the uh, the last-minute mock draft for people to check that out before we get going tonight? Absolutely. I got, there's so much stuff content over the last 48 hours I put out has my head spinning. So at Andy MC 81 on Twitter at Andy MC sports on Instagram, the mock draft is up on sportsnet.ca. got an hour long NFL draft preview show. We do some bets, some mocks some trade scenarios as well. That's up on the Sportsnet YouTube channel um, all over there. The fantasy minute talking running backs is up there uh, as well on social media. I'm actually going to be doing a live through the first 10 picks. I'm going to be joining ESPN radio in New Jersey, 97.3 on their live YouTube stream tonight, doing some live draft coverage for ESPN. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, so check that out. And one more thing, Hus, we're, if we're on next week, I'm going to have, I think, some big news to reveal about a new fantasy football league, UFFsports.com. Check it out. It combines player NFTs, blockchain, crypto with the best fantasy football going. I'm heading up the football ops. This is I can't wait to explain all this to you, man. It is going to be such next level stuff. It's going to blow all our minds. Fantasy football and investing. Uh, it, it's it's going to be crazy. I hey, Remus and I were already talking about it. We can't wait for the details. And we will yeah, definitely man. do that with you sometime next week. Enjoy the show tonight. Uh, it should be excellent, buddy. Absolutely, Huss. Always a pleasure. Enjoy the draft, everybody. And there he is, the one and only Andy McNamara, Andy MC81, proud card-carrying members of a member of the Cleveland Browns Nation, the long-suffering Browns Nation, but uh, good vibe right now with the Cleveland Browns. Um, they're in a little bit of a different situation going into the draft as they've been for many, many years, like you would have seen in draft day. That was a lot of fun. Big thanks to Andy and, of course, Sean Reynolds. Let's get... Michael Remus back into the program. Reem, I told you that Andy was going to be fired up for the uh, for the first round. Uh, the energy just exudes. You can feel it from here a couple provinces over. He was ready to deliver some wrestling-style promos there. And to be honest, I was busy looking at all the you know goodies he's got in the background. I think he had some wrestling old wrestling figures. Did there, you like but, him do the uh, John Cena, you can't see me as well during the uh, during one of his promos? Yeah, he's he's fired up. I posted a link to his mock draft in, in the chat there. So, yeah, Andy, great guy to talk to. Very knowledgeable about the NFL and upcoming draft. I know the draft is like a, a holiday for NFL fans, and it's like, is it like three days now? Now but, it's three days, yeah. We get round one tonight. We get rounds two and three on Friday night, and then four through seven on Saturday. And that's only been the case for about the last five years or so. I mean, it used to just be... You know, one big day. Then they moved the first round to Friday and then everything. And now they're cranking it out over three days. And, you know, as I said, you know, talking with Andy, I mean, he would have been there in Cleveland. I, I would love to go to a draft. I mean, it basically is a big NFL fan convention. Lots of great things happening in and around it. Um, but it might be a little while before we as Canadians are globe-trotting around for events like that. But um, I'm looking forward to see what happens. And as we mentioned, that number three pick tonight, Reem, so intriguing as to what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have up their sleeves. They paid an incredible price to move up to number three. 
And, you know, it just does seem weird they would do that to take Mac Jones, a guy that's, you know, a mid-first rounder and, you know, the fourth or fifth quarterback on many, many scouting draft boards. Yeah, Reed Fowler was yesterday, uh, was saying to bet on pits at long shot odds. But you draft, trade that much to take a tight end when you have George Kittle? It doesn't make any sense to me. So now I'm kind of, I you know I didn't I just like sprinkled the little. I was like, sure, it's a long shot. Why not? But yeah, I don't know what's going on. Will we see Jimmy G back in New England? Uh yeah, lots to lots to uh you know could happen tonight. Uh, will we have any incriminating photos of a potential draft pick <laughs> come out during the draft causing that player's stock to drop? It's possible, it's happened before. Well, you know what, that that event, um, and, you know, people are not familiar what we're talking about. A few years ago, Larry Tunsil, who was the top offensive lineman on the draft, was literally in the green room waiting to be drafted. And, and somebody posted a picture of him smoking through a gas mask bong, which, you know, yeah. probably doesn't increase your what? draft stock amongst NFL, uh, NFL uh, front offices, especially in the middle of the draft as it was breaking on social media. That honestly was, Remo, one of the most bizarre um, events happening of sort of uh, sports becoming a reality show right in front of our eyes in real time. Yeah, I mean, that was, we were like, did he tweet it? Is someone blackmailing him? I think the fact that it was a gas mask bong and not a regular bong made it even more interesting or more <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, like, it was just a regular bong. It's like, who cares? But as a gas mask uh, bong, I mean, it was the craziest. It was crazy. Everyone was talking about it. Uh, and causing his stock to, his, like, he probably lost millions of dollars because he fell in the draft. Cause well, he did. And you know who the big winners of all of that was? It was the Miami Dolphins because he yes. fell down to 13. They took him and then a couple years later traded him to the desperate Houston Texans for multiple first-round picks. Well, one of those first-round picks happens to be the third overall selection that the 49ers just dropped another three first-rounders to move up to. So Miami has basically <laughs> took Tunsil and then turned it into an incredible bounty of picks, and uh, they're set up for the next few years when it comes to the NFL draft. Yeah, shout out to Owen, uh, who says uh, in chat, he says, <laughs> gas mask bongs are no joke. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh James, that's true. James says it puts hair on your chest. I'll take, I'll, take, I'll take those guys' word for it. If you need a little hair on your chest, go find a gas mask unit and uh hammer a few bulls in that sucker. All right. Um, you know what? We'll, while we finish up on the draft, um, you know, we'll get to the cool bet lines today. We'll get to hockey in just a second. But here's some updated numbers. And this is interesting. First quarterback non-drafted. Dusty and I talked about this on Tuesday uh, when we were going over. By the way, all lines available at coolbet.com. Check out our uh, Twitter at SportstalkWPG for a link and a bonus code if you'd like to play with us at CoolBet. Got a great deal for you. Um, so when we were doing the lock shop on Tuesday, I gave out Kyle Pitts, the first non-quarterback drafted, at minus 154. That number is now minus 323. So, um, you know, there has been some volatility with these markets. Uh, Sewell, Penny Sewell, who we're talking about potentially going to the uh, the Bengals at five. He is minus 500 to be the first offensive lineman drafted. Patrick Shurtan, two. The second, I guess that would be. Um, he's minus 189 to be the first quarterback drafted. And 
Uh, it doesn't seem to be any doubt who the first receiver off the board will be. That's Jamar Chase. He's minus 2,000. But you know what it is funny, Reem? We always see these odds. We always see the mock drafts, and there's always one or two picks that completely shock everybody. And uh, I guess from a betting standpoint, just trying to identify where that will be. And to me, like we talked with Andy, I mean, Justin Fields or Trey Lance at number three, when all of the money seems to be on Mac Jones to be the number three pick, um, is going to be a real interesting sort of side uh, wagering angle to the festivities this evening. Yeah, I'll have to wait and see uh, what happens. All eyes on the 49ers made the big trade, hitting number three. And yeah, well, uh, we'll draft. You know, draft day always uh, comes reality. And Huss, you got a lot of heat in chat. Yeah, oh, big time about the draft day. You got, draft a, day you got Have you seen it? What, what What's your take no, on draft I've day? I've never seen. I've never seen it. I'm not. I'm not. I think isn't that movie? I don't think I'm the target audience for that movie. So what do you What do you mean? You don't like NFL based romantic comedies with Kevin Costner and Jennifer it, it, Garner and some <laughs> of the more ridiculous story? I mean, it certainly was the exactly. Hollywood. Pretty, pretty wild stuff, like Kevin Costner's going and meeting the owner at a water park on the day of the draft. I mean, does that happen very often? Um, I mean, the, the funny thing is about draft day, um, we all remember when Johnny Manziel got selected by the, uh, by the Browns, and apparently some homeless guy told owner Jimmy Haslam on the way to the draft to take Johnny Manziel, and that put him over the top. I mean, that's the sort of thing that probably should be in a movie because it's so ridiculous. But that, in fact, happened in real life to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I never. I, I gave shout out to my favorite football movies. Uh, Remember the Titans, a nice Disney classic movie oh, yeah, starring Denzel good. Washington. Great, great what, film. What? Um, what's the? Oh, what? Any given Sunday. Yeah, that was uh, one. And Friday Miami Night Sharks. Lights. Friday Night Lights is amazing. And, uh, and the Friday Night Lights, the show, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV or movies outside of sports. I did absolutely love Friday Night Lights. If you've never gotten into that, you want to binge watch something, go back to the start of Friday Night Lights and uh, watch the, all the seasons of that program. It's amazing. Yeah, lots lots to get to, though. We do have a lot of game hockey games tonight, Huss. I was looking at the schedule. No Jets. The Of course, they're playing tomorrow. The Oilers. Bad one back to back here here tonight, and uh, who the Habs are off as well. So there's a a lot a lot of games. I know Toronto played last night. Uh, they're up against Vancouver, and we did even have some NHL news. Uh, so Ryan, the big news before we get to the lines, Ryan Miller announcing his retirement. And Silver I, medal. So yeah, and I think when you bring up Ryan Miller, a lot of Jets fans first thing you think of is the silver medal chant. Who? Greg Wyshynski of ESPN called one of the most savage chants by uh, by uh, you know f- fans at an arena at one player that was after Ryan Miller backstop Team USA to the silver medal. See, this was like 2011, uh, I th- I believe when that game took place. So it was like right. Those after. were the good old days, man. Some great organic chants from up in the 300s, and that was certainly one of the best mm-hmm. ever at Bell MTS Place. But, yeah, I, I retweeted that out. If you haven't seen it, Wyshynski with the clip of the infamous silver medal chant. As uh, Ryan Miller's going to hang it up at the end of the year. I think we forgot how good he is because he's kind of been you know bounced around since Buffalo. He was you know in Vancouver. And he's been back up in Anaheim, and you forgot that he won the Vesna Trophy. He was the best player at the uh, 2010 Olympics. Um, he was part of those Sabres teams, you know, 2006 or so, where they went to the conference final. Um, he's the winningest goalie all time among American-born players. Uh, he's played almost 1,000 games. I completely forgot about this guy. He's been, like, kind of nowhere 
And I don't think we've given him... I think the docs are going to have, like, a video and stuff for him, a video tribute, but, like, we haven't... Um, you kind of forgot about him, and you talk about Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, maybe because they're in Toronto, but Ryan Miller, this guy's an all-time uh, great player. No, you know, he is. He's had an amazing career, and I guess part of it, too. You know, he went down there to Southern California. His wife's an actress. That was the one place that he wanted to play. He's been back up with the Ducks, and... You know, he's backing up behind one of the top goaltenders in the league and John Gibson, who plays just about every night. So there hasn't been a lot for Ryan to do. But, um, yeah, no, absolutely. A real class guy. Uh, I always enjoyed watching him play. I was a big fan of him with Buffalo, um, even though we did give it to him pretty good when he came to Winnipeg after winning the silver medal. All right, as you mentioned, we do have lots of games tonight. Uh, a couple of the more noteworthy lines from Cool Bet Canada. Canucks plus 275 up against the Leafs, a massive home favorite at minus 357. You mentioned that game between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers back at home, still favorite though, minus 125. Calgary, a plus 105 underdog. And the St. Louis Blues, plus 130, going up against the Minnesota Wild, minus 154. And the Battle of New York Islanders, plus 105 at the Rangers, who've been playing quite well lately, minus 125. Coolbet.com. If you want to use our bonus code WST, you'll get a nice bonus when you do it. Uh, do it, but we've got a link on our daily lines tweet, which goes out every day at Winnipeg Sports Talk on Twitter and our other uh, streams. A- any leans on those games tonight, Remus, or uh, have you already got some lineups done uh, for tonight? I was where, at, where are you going? Yeah, I was looking at the DraftKings uh, lineup. You know, the lines tonight to make my DraftKings lineups, and some big favorites: uh, Toronto, Carolina, Boston against Buffalo. Um, you know, I really didn't look um, look too closely. I mean, if you wanted to take uh, Calgary on a back-to-back against Edmonton, I think Calgary seems to have picked it up a bit. Um, tough to bet against Connor McDavid. Maybe the Wild uh, going with uh, Cam Talbot tonight against uh, against the Blues. I would maybe lean there, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not too sure. I I do want to give a shout out to uh, we do our Win- Winnipeg Sports Talk DraftKings games on Jets nights. 20 people usually 70% of them last night picked uh, Con- pick Connor <laughs> I saw McDavid. You tweet that. I had a la- I had a laugh that 70% of people uh was that 14. I was um, hoping he'd be a great fade play last night and uh, you know no. the Jets might be able to keep him, you know, in check which they kind of did and then yeah he still ended up with 3 points, two in the power play, one empty netter, but they all count uh, both on the ice in the stats and on DraftKings in your lineup. Yeah, tough to you know. There's it's amazing the the top guys, McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. I mean, they're all pretty much like guaranteed points uh, every night. So, a couple tough calls. I'm looking forward to yeah that Toronto Vancouver game. That's at uh, what six thirty. Maybe I'll tune in tune into that one. Uh, I'm not sure. Pittsburgh Washington. You don't really hear too much about the Crosby versus Ovechkin rivalry, although it could be because. I don't know. We're just not paying attention to any of these U.S. teams. We're in our own league. Yeah, just up here. wait for the playoffs. Then we'll be talking about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. As you know, you've got Boston Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Washington. All both of those first round series are going to be meat grinders, and it'll be interesting to see who the last team standing is in that division. <clears throat> oh, great call from Greg Gregory. Don't we're talking about Ryan Miller. Don't forget his time in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Remus and Haas. Who can forget the lockout year when the Moose had that great club and ended up beating Rochester? They had some great players as well, uh, but Ryan Miller, the goaltender for that club, so yeah, it does go all the way back to the Moose yeah. days in the American Hockey League. 
Oh yeah, I remember those. Those were some fun times that uh, lockout season. I remember the moose. Uh, you know. Oh, cool. that was great moose season. That I mean, you know, without the NHL going on, you had so many great players on on pretty much all the teams that just weren't able to play. Um, that normally would have been the NHL if they were eligible. The young guys went to the American League, and oh man, we had a great time watching the the Moose. And certainly that series against Rochester was uh, was a real highlight. Um, oh, we're getting a bunch of uh, thoughts in the chats on these movies. Um, you know, Mitch is down with Friday Night Lights. The TV show was very good. Could not agree more. Um, Jeff's it's, it's a lot of fun. Hey, Gerald says great show, guys. Don't forget about We Are Marshall. I've not seen that one, but I have heard it's great. The program, so good. And, uh, and of course, Varsity Blues. I'm sure you were a big Varsity Blues guy when it came out, Reem. I've never seen that, actually. James Vanderbeek. I, I'm big familiar James with Vanderbeek guy from his time in uh, Dawson's Creek. I'm very familiar with it. I never saw it. I'm more familiar with the parody, uh, not another teen movie. So that's everything I know about Varsity <laughs> Blues is from the, tr- the trailer where he says, I don't want your life. I'm not going to try to do the impression. And... Uh, <laughs> What they show in not another teen movie. That's that's what I know about Varsity Blues. Oh, man. Well, um, it's going to be an interesting night tonight. I'll be really focused in on the NFL draft, I'd say. But, you know, we'll be paying attention to the hockey games. Got some more mm. baseball going on. And then, uh, Rima, we're right back at it. Jets on the road going up against Lake Canadiana Montreal tomorrow. And um, we're going to have Kirk Contois from Cinnaboya Downs pre uh, handicap the Kentucky Derby for us. We're also going to have the return of Lee Hacksaw Hamilton talking about what happened in the draft tonight. And, uh, man, I cannot wait to get Craig Button on the program. We'll get his thoughts on what the heck's going on with the Winnipeg Jets right now and how they get out of it, as well as his reporting from down at the under-18s with the top draft prospects getting a chance to strut their stuff for pretty much every scout in the National Hockey League before the draft. Yeah, I always like talking to Craig, hearing what he has to say. He's got a lot of experience in hockey. Hell of a solid take on the Jets, and as you said, uh, what, the under-18s as well, in Frisco, Texas. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure not he's fr- eating some good barbecue down there. Sure. Before we go, I do want to give a shout-out here. I'm going to throw this one up. Everyone wants to know what's Bufflin up to. He pretty much comes up in chat every day. Every hey, day. We could use a guy like Bufflin back there, and we definitely could, or the Jets could. I'm not... Not going to lie, but I saw this on Twitter. Showed it to Joe Programmer. Here it is. How it started, how it's going. <laughs> and here it is. Uh, Bufflin grabbing two Vegas Golden Knights. And there he is on his wife's Instagram story yesterday. I, I did see it today on her Instagram story, Emily.Bufflin. Here he is, uh, Big Buff, grabbing uh, two fish. Couple it's- big hogs for Big Buff. What are those, uh, Huss? I'm not, I'm not those, familiar with fish. Do you know? Can you, you know, identify these? I mean, I don't. They're either the fattest walleye I've ever seen. I think they actually might be that. It, you know, fishing people in the chat, let us know what that is. I, I do think that um, could those be just fatter walleye or? They're big. I, those those look heavy. I'm surprised well, you can they, lift them with one hand, but this yeah, is yeah, no. Well, Buff lifts hockey players with one hand, so I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. the bullet! Thank you, bullet. Those are largemouth bass. Wow. So I've never been bass fishing, but I have heard that's like there's like the big bass tour and whatnot. I think yeah. that's sort of like the uh, our pal Gussie outdoors. He slays the the bass. Everyone is. You got a bunch of takes uh, in chat on what kind of. So if you're listening on oh, podcast. Yeah. Let me describe it. We have a picture of Dustin Bufflin on a boat wearing camo. Because, you know, don't want the fish to see you in the boat. 
and uh, and a jacket. He's got glasses on, holding two giant fish. That's for everyone on podcast. Uh, and they've been identified as largemouth bath, bass by um, yeah. many, or possibly smallmouth bass. We are sure that they are bass, though. And um, again, check it out online if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say it's a perfect quick little plug for our friends at Aikens Lake. Speaking of fishing, if you do want to get out and get onto the water in a world-class fly-in operation right here in the province of Manitoba, not too far away from Winnipeg, find out more from Aikens Lake. Usually they're full with American tourists right now. Obviously all of those trips have been pushed back to next year. So rarely is there ever availability in June. There is now. You can find out more at Aikens Lake, AikensLake.com, at Aikens Lake on Twitter as well. That's Pitt Turen. And uh, we're going to be heading up there later on this summer. I absolutely cannot wait. Um, have you ever been fishing before, Reeve? Ever? Uh... Mm, I don't think so, actually. I don't, isn't fishing more just about, like, sitting in a boat and drinking than... That's kind of like golf, right? Like, it's more about, like, being outside, hanging with your buddies. I don't think I I've mean, ever... I don't there, think I've are ever... Real, there are real keeners, but I'll be honest. I mean, I'm sort of like Chris Walby. I mean, I'd love to get out there and sit in the boat, but it's a lot more fun with a uh, a case of ice-cold oh. beer um, as, Hold we, on. as we go through the afternoon. I just, Whoa, got, some breaking I just got an alert on my phone. Um, r- the headline uh, from the TSN app: Reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with the Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. I'll pull up the tweet right now. Hello. Gonna, okay, gonna... so if you're just jumping in right now in the chat, we were talking with Andy about the draft, and I mentioned that report earlier that. Paul Allen out of Minnesota, I believe, who was credited to, said that the Niners came at the Packers with a big offer of players from the roster and picks, including the third overall selection, which they traded three first-rounders to get in a package to bring Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco. Um, I mean, that would be one of the biggest, most earth-shattering trades in recent NFL history if it happened. Um, but I guess it's interesting, Grimus, and what you're mentioning right now is that, you know, underneath the surface that maybe there's not a lot of good things happening between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that he does have the long-term contract. There's the tweet right now. Reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with the Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. More on NFL Live right now. That is a story that will, I mean, when you talk about the intrigue, about that third overall pick, you wonder what's going on right now between management of the Packers and the Niners, and can the Niners possibly get that done, Remus, before the first and second picks go off the board tonight? That's crazy. Now I'm going to have to, I wasn't, maybe he wasn't going to tune in before. I might have been, you know, catching up on episodes of Top Chef Canada with my wife or watching uh top NHL shot hockey. canada top, top shot canada it's just uh guys opening moments no no top chef not not uh, oh, nba sorry. top shot <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah that's a crazy tweet so some people were d- were doubting um the reporting it's from adam schefter uh you don't you don't question yeah. adam Schefter. blue check yes. blue check mark it's yeah, that, not one yeah. of the that, it, uh, there is though many fake accounts right now that say they're adam schefter you got to make sure that you don't get you don't get fooled by the lack of a blue check mark. Um, uh, I wanted to bring up uh, one other tweet before we sign off. It was from the Jets. Uh, it was actually an Instagram post, Huss. The Jets um, announced late last night that they weren't going to. Oh, here it is. That they weren't going to practice. Let me just 
get rid of this. They weren't going to practice today and hold the media available. They just went right to Montreal. But, like, have the Jets, maybe I didn't realize it or not posting on Instagram, have they always been wearing these sweet tracksuits on the road? And they look really comfortable, perfect for flying. And I want one. Check this out, Huss. How nice are these? Yeah, no, they are nice. And we have seen the team travel like that at times this year as well. And um, I'll tell you what, it's way better than suits. I mean, uh, in the pandemic, I've said before, I mean, I don't think I've worn jeans or a collared shirt in months. And um, I'm sort of liking it. When we get back to quote unquote normal, it's going to it's gonna be tough to get away from being sweats guy every single day. I mean, I'll be shorts guy for the next few months through summer, but it is going to it is going to definitely take some you know some, some getting used to when we get back mm-hmm. to normal. But I'll tell you what, going forward for the teams, um I mean, if I'm a player, I'd way rather have a sweet team tracksuit than have to put on a suit every time I get on a plane just to travel with all my buddies within the group. I got to get one of those. I have an Adidas uh, tracksuit. That's pretty comfortable and pretty sick. Like I don't. Just yeah. Evander Kane. Where are you at? I, that's what the first thing I thought of. I, I think it's clear that he was ahead of his time, uh, rocking the tracksuit, trailblazer. I mean, I saw the tracksuit and I just pictured him uh, in one. So uh, I I can imagine you know going on a plane that much, wearing a suit on a plane, probably like the worst. Like dress comfortable, feel good, play good. And I got, I got to get, we got to get our own uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk tracksuits like that. Those are sick. Well, we are. By the way, um, show off the uh, the mug there um, before we oh, yeah. go. We saw you. Uh, I, I was it. our I, first ever piece of Winnipeg Sports Talk merchandise. The coffee mug. Oh, that logo looks good. Shout out to Donovan and Vantage Studios. It did such a great job on that for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. I'm drinking out of a mug, so we'll be uh, giving these away eventually. I gotta get one of you. I don't yeah, know. Definitely you I drink, drink diet, diet Pepsis out of it, you know, yeah. some ice, whatnot. You know, just have a couple cans with it and use it. I can do that. No problem. We've all, we've all poured a cocktail in a coffee mug at some point over the course when of our you, lives. It's like you, when every other dish is dirty, you're like, yeah, I'll start drinking water out of a coffee mug yeah, or something. You got a few people over, a Ryan Coke. Yeah, don't worry. It's in a coffee mug. It's all good, though. Lots of ice in there. <laughs> Go from there. So, oh, oh, um, a lot of people in chat. Jeff Cabellas, James Owen. They want a great question from James. Those mugs come in pints. Oh, now we're now we're talking. <laughs> now we are talking. Oh, Speaking Jeff says pints. we have WST bong gas mask. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're doing that. But that's a good callback to uh, like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, the WST signature model, <laughs> the <Yeah>. gas mask. <laughs> oh, man, that's a hilarious way to finish off the program. Well, we'll see whether we have any Tunsil-style drama tonight uh, for the NFL draft. Well, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers' and, thing. I well, it's crazy. It, <laughs> no, for sure. Listen, I'm going to be uh, turning on the tube and watching all of it coming up right leading into it as well as the reports going on beforehand. Um, and by the way, we've got those glasses. We'll also very soon have some other stuff for you guys that I think you'll be interested in. And uh, we'll, of course, let all of our regs that join us every day on YouTube and on the podcast know about it first here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, we've got to thank Sean Reynolds for joining us. Don't forget Kenny and Rennie tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. They should have a great show. Kevin Weeks coming on to the guys as well as Bean Gene Principe. And... Uh, 
Um, we'll be back tomorrow with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, Kirk Hudois from Assiniboia Downs teeing up the Kentucky Derby, and Craig Button on the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and the World Under 18. It's going to be a great, great show. And of course, we'll have all the reaction from tonight's NFL draft. And who knows, potentially, um, we could take a detour. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded tonight, I have a feeling there might be a little more football talk than normal, uh, even on a day in the middle of the NFL draft, Remus. Yeah, I saw I saw this tweet from Adam Schefter. Um, he was talking about like an MVP has never been traded. Where is this uh, this tweet? There's never been an NFL MVP traded after winning the award in the previous season. The only MVPs not to return to their team after winning the award were Norm Van Brocklin and Jim Brown, and that's in the '60s. So this is unprecedented stuff here with an MVP. And Aaron Rodgers, what is he? 38 now. Getting older, but he's sick of them not of the Packers not getting him any receiving help. Well, I, I honestly Actually, I think this all goes back yeah. to last year at this very time. I mean, yeah. drafting a quarterback and a running back in the first two rounds when you know this team is so close to you know being a Super Bowl champion. So yeah, yeah. it was crazy. And uh, I, how I about that there'd be... when they didn't go when what when they kicked the field goal in the playoffs? How much is that? <laughs> like that's just like the cherry on top. Remember that in the playoffs where everyone's like, why? fourth down and they didn't that's the moment that if they make football uh, nfts that's the moment i want the the field goal decision <laughs> i'm hoping i i love that yeah that i gotta have like joke uh, nfts i agree <laughs> oh man anyways thanks to uh, the guys for joining us thanks to everyone with us in the chat of course thanks to our sponsors not autocorp boston pizza royal sports don't forget royal sports you want one of these draft hats head down there they're all there right now nick and nicky dq breezy bend golf and country club who does all of our golf reports. And, uh, geez, I did mention, um, speaking of breezy, course back open, going to be a great weekend with the weather getting nicer. We do have PGA Tour action right now. was interested to see where the Canadians are. Nick Taylor, two under right now. He is five back of Keegan Bradley, who is the leader. Where is our man Corey Connors? Corey Connors is one under. David Hearn is one under as well. Um, Corey Connors is one of the top favorites for this event, so we'll see how he can do. Michael Glidgick is even through five holes. So, of course, we'll have our golf report tomorrow for Breezy Bend to let you know what's happening with the Canadians out at the Valspar Championship. Yeah, before we go, we're closing in on uh, 3,900 YouTube subscribers. So the countdown of 4K is on. And also, there was someone who left a review on our iTunes podcast. And (laughs) do that if you haven't. They said... I don't know how to catch the you know the live show on YouTube. Where do I find that? You guys never tweet it out. I don't know. I tweet it out pretty much every day, but uh, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube. To that person who reviewed us on Apple who said they didn't know how to find us. So Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube, we are here at 1, 1 p.m. I just wanted to give a shout-out because sometimes people don't know, and we do see people come in on the chat, us, um, who say, hey, would you listen on podcast? I had some time. I'm popping in. And we also have had people in the last week message uh, us on Instagram. They're like, Huss, I'm so glad I found you. I didn't know that you were doing this. So uh, if you know someone who doesn't know about this, uh, let them know. And if they were a fan of us uh, previously. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the more, I mean, we're growing every single day and we appreciate it. And a lot of the reason is you guys telling friends, letting people know where they can find it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sports Talk WPG on all the social channels. And if you are listening on the podcast, you know what would really be a help to us? Give us a five-star rating, drop in a comment to review that you're enjoying the show. That certainly helps us, um, you know, grow the podcast as well while we do the yeah. same thing here we're on YouTube. Number 11 
hockey podcast on the iTunes charts right now. So nicely done. Watch we're, out. We're moving up. We're, we're going to bump into the top ten by uh, by the weekend. Hopefully, we were twelve two days ago. So uh, we yeah. continue positive momentum, and uh, we can't thank everyone enough for all that yeah. support. Yeah, uh, seriously, it's uh, incredible. I never thought that would uh, that would be so. Uh, v- very nice. Uh, gang, thanks for being with us. Enjoy the draft tonight. All the sports action, baseball, hockey, and whatnot. We'll talk about it all tomorrow. Craig Button, Hacksaw Hamilton, and a Kentucky Derby preview with a Cinnaboy Downs handicapper, Kirk Contois, all set up to take you into the weekend tomorrow. Thanks again for being with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, and we'll catch you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.